0: Have you ever thought that being an entrepreneur would be easier than this? For years, I've tried to break free from Rogue Warrior Consultant life, only to return time and again in order to survive. What I soon realized is my own isolation and self-doubt was getting in my way, and that my biggest successes, my happiest moments, came through connections with people who cared about me. It's now my mission to make it easier for entrepreneurs like us to connect with incredible human beings who rise up higher together. We are not self-made, we are community-made. But the real question is, how will we do it? This podcast will give you the answers. Join me on this journey as I interview top experts and entrepreneurs who are figuring it out. I'm your host, Jerry Kirk, and you are listening to the Community Forged podcast. Hey there, Community Forgers. I'm so glad to have you back with me today. My guest today, Sean Rosensteel. well, I met him three years ago at a Brendan Burchard event. He's now the author of the just-published The School of Intentional Living, and he's also the founder of the Intentional Living Academy. Now, with a passion for helping others, Sean's journey began back when he found himself bankrupt at the young age of 28 after following some conventional wisdom all his life. Now, this eye-opening moment showed him that obtaining true happiness and fulfillment literally means breaking free from the societal chains and making your own path. So now he hopes to inspire and empower his readers to achieve their dreams and live the life that they truly deserve by using a simple yet powerful method that has already transformed his life and the numerous clients that he's worked with. Today, we're going to get to explore that with him. So Sean, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to reconnect with you, man. Likewise. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Awesome. Well, um, you know, you've, you've gone through, wow, a lot of change just in this, in this past year, right? You're, you moved away from place you've been living all, you know, for a really long time, um, wrote a book on top of, you know, this global pandemic, which in and of itself is, is quite a lot. So it kind of seems like your life is really on fire right now with momentum. What's, what's all this uh, transition been like for you? Yeah,
1: it's been an interesting year, I think for all of us, right? Um, I think we're all going through some, some changes and some of us are experiencing some struggles and other of us are, you know, making it to that next level. So we're all in different places, but yeah, the year has been a good one. We've, uh, last time we talked, I think was maybe a year ago. I was living in Chicago and we came down here. We've been coming down to the Dallas, Texas area for the winter for the past few years. My wife's family is from the area. So we were down here in January. And my mom calls and she said, hey, we're moving, you know, out out of Chicago, we're moving to South Carolina. And my folks are still alive. We're very fortunate. And we were really anchored into the Chicagoland area because of them. Uh, So when they decided to move and pull the plug, (laughs) move away from Illinois, we said, well, you know, what are we going to do? Because we're not following them to South Carolina. Uh, So we made the decision. It took about a week to figure out what we want to do. And our long-term plan was to eventually migrate down this way Anyway. So we decided, okay, we better just you know do it sooner than later. And then we got hit with this pandemic while we were maybe two to three years out, all of a sudden with you know, COVID-19 everywhere, we decided to do it fast. So we ended up within a week of making the decision selling our home remotely, which is a very, very interesting situation. But uh, we had a dream team back in Chicago helping us out. And uh, yeah, we, we raced home once it was under contract. Got some closure. Brought our kids. Said goodbye to everybody, and uh, now we're down in Texas. So yeah, it's been an interesting
0: year. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I'd uh, I'd love to explore with you a little bit about you know how you came to to write this book, uh, the School of Intentional Living. Um, sure. You know what? what uh, when and how did you did you realize that this is uh, you know really something that you felt you needed to do, right? To to put out into the world. I mean, I, I've known you for a few years now, and you know you doing a lot of consulting and, and, you know, you had an agency for a while. And so it's kind of a, a different, different track for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. So I, I've always been
1: into entrepreneurship. Um, I was a terrible employee back in high school and in college, got fired from most jobs. I was just a horrible employee, but I always wanted to have my own business. So I can remember back in school, I had to declare my major and I was majoring in marketing and my, school had just developed this entrepreneurship program. And I realized when I had to declare that it required less credits than marketing. So I was all over it. <laughs> i <I'm> like, that's, <laughs> that's much better because I can you know, be less in you know, class my senior year. So someone accidentally, I declared my major, majored in marketing, graduated. And within a few short years of opening my own business, I uh, went bankrupt, as you had already mentioned. So I think I had this conventional definition of success my whole life, you know, all throughout high school and college, I was chasing after the money. I wanted the big homes and I wanted the fancy cars and the nice toys. And I was really pursuing that lavish lifestyle, so to speak. And I had a lot of friends and family members. And I can remember a lot of the parents of my friends, you know, we, they had a lot of nice things and that's, I I kind of pursued that blindly, these material things. So in doing that, I made some very negligent decisions, very risky decisions, and they eventually put me out of business. And in fact, when I went bankrupt, it was just one month before my wedding. Wow. So it was an interesting time back in my late 20s. And you can imagine, you know, me navigating that conversation with my future in-laws. It was like the biggest sales presentation of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh... What happened was I reset my priorities and I, you know, started to focus and figure out on, you know, what exactly mattered to me. And I recognized the fact that, okay, you know, money isn't everything. And when I went financially bankrupt, it was the first time in my life that forced me to pause and reflect back on some of the choices I was making and some of the things I was pursuing. And I recognized, gosh, I'm, I'm physically and, and emotionally and spiritually bankrupt as well. I've had my eye on this one thing. And I wanted to become a millionaire by the time I was 25. And that didn't quite work out. Uh, hence the reason I made some really foolish and risky decisions to try to accelerate that. I was not happy with myself. And I want, you know, whatever it took, I had this blind ambition. Now,
0: so I just, to, just curious, Sean, uh, just to yeah. dive into that a little bit, what, what do you think was driving that, that huge need for, you know, the fancy cars and Parties and the, the, the nice stuff, like to the point that you know it really just essentially sounds like you were pretty much risking everything.
1: Yeah, I think part of me was trying to keep up. You know, part of it was trying to just keep up with the Joneses, right? It was that status thing of keeping up with everybody in my surrounded surroundings. And I think another part of it was just trying to fulfill what I think may have been somewhat of an empty void. I mean, I was trying to fill my life with stuff with material possessions. And, um, there's never such thing. There's no such thing as enough, you know, when you're pursuing material possessions, because you're trying to fill a void somewhere in your life for whatever reason, I don't think you can ever reach a point where you're like, okay, I have enough, you know, I have enough fancy cars. I have enough homes. I have enough money. You know, there's never a point in time where you reach enough. And it's a little bit of a dangerous game because what you find is that that's a bottomless pit. You sure. know, if you're not going to take the time and get to the root of why you're doing what you're doing, if that's what you're up to, uh, it's a, it's a risky game. And we hear about these, you know, you read the tabloids and you hear about these business moguls who at the expense of everything, they pursued, you know, this business glory and they're billionaires or whatever else, but their entire life, every other area of their life, their health, their relationships, you know, everything's kind of, it's a house of cards in many ways and you're falling apart. So I learned back then that that wasn't the legacy I wanted to leave. So my fiance and I were talking about starting a family and we were co-creating the vision for our lives back then, still are today. Uh, This will be our 10-year anniversary coming up in September. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, it really made me realize that, gosh, you know, I haven't really taken responsibility for my own life, let alone the responsibility of another human life and someday maybe even some little Kiddos that, you know, come along. Um, and I can remember I called my parents to break the news to them. So the worst part about all of this was my parents had provided me with an incredible education, formal education. I was very blessed and very fortunate in that regard. And shortly after they had loaned me some money to help me, you know, plant my feet in the real world, so to speak. I can remember specifically the uh, conversation I had with my bankruptcy attorney. So he's asking me to disclose all my debts. And I did, I disclosed some of my real estate uh, debt that was once in the asset column and now it was in the liability column. This is back in 08. So, you know, everybody, nobody was insulated from that crash. Right. So, right. I disclosed all my debts and he said, is there anything else, you know, is there anything else you can think of? Like we need to make sure that it's everything you've got. And I said, well, you know i do owe my folks a little bit of money but i'm not interested in disclosing that i do intend to you know pay that back and so he encouraged me to include that and without really thinking of the consequences of that decision i included the debt that i had owed to my parents it dawned on me shortly after i filed the paperwork that they would be receiving a very official letter from the government in the mail letting them know that their son filed bankruptcy and was not intending to pay them back so i knew i owed them a phone call and you know, I, I got I into it must, a lot that of that trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I got into a lot of trouble growing up. And I made some pretty bad decisions. As you you know, you read, you know, my book. So I kind of disclosed some of those things that I went through, some of the struggles that I experienced. But when I called them, they told me something, Jerry, that they had told me a hundred times before. But this time it resonated because I was in this place of of reflection and introspection. And I kind of put everything on hold, on pause to really begin to think about what I wanted from my life. And I never really defined what I wanted. I let society, these conventional ideas, culture, religion, whatever you want to call it, I, I let all these outside influences define what I wanted from my life, but I never took the time to think about what it was that I truly wanted. So when I called them, my dad, there was a long silence, which, which I took as you know shock and disappointment. And my dad eventually spoke up and he said, You know, Sean, no one is responsible for you but you. And then my mom chimed in. And in her very soft, caring, loving tone, she's like, You I, I think it's time for you to find a quiet place and figure things out for yourself. So that's exactly what I did. So back then, I, I was bankrupt. I didn't have much money and I couldn't really afford to, you know, you and I met a few years ago at a live event out in California, right? Brendan Burchard. Well, I couldn't afford travel. I couldn't afford to go to these live events. I couldn't afford an online course. So I actually started reading. So I would check out in the local library. I would buy a book on Amazon for $9, free shipping, whatever it was. And I started to discover personal growth and, and personal development, I think for the first time in my life. And what was so neat about it was unlike the education, my formal education, where I felt like I was learning things that I would never apply in the real world. I was actually learning some incredible mindsets and habits and tools through these personal development books that I could then take, turn around right away, apply in my life and get the results that I was after. Uh, so that was a, a real breakthrough for me. And that was a real pivotal moment in my life. And my wife and I actually went on to build a few businesses together. And uh, we were you know, very lucky to uh, be acquired in a few of them. And I started teaching this approach to intentional living about six years ago, just privately. And I've also been hired by a couple of corporate groups and whatnot to train CEOs, presidents, leadership teams. And a few years back, I had this recommendation by quite a few people. Hey, you should write a book about this. And I could never figure out the entry point because intentional living is such a broad topic. And so many of us have different translations of what that might look like.
0: I was actually I like, think, wanting to, to, to ask you what... How, how did, what how do you describe intentional living for, for someone who I'd be curious to know more about your book? What, what, is, what does, intentional living mean for you? Yeah, for me, I mean, I th- first of all, I think it's different for each and every
1: one of us to each his own, but for me to live intentionally simply means to, you know, utilize my God-given gifts and talents to the best of my abilities to, you know, make every day count, to use my time in the most effective way to serve others, to, um, you know, serve at a capacity where those that I love, lead and serve know that I'm making a difference, that I'm making a difference, learning from my mistakes. And, you know, you know this because you read the book, but you know, I believe that in our final moments, we are going to wonder whether we passed or failed at this beautiful thing we all call life. So I believe that living intentionally means starting today, wherever you are with whatever you've got starting to make those, you know, informed decisions for your own life based on your own unique circumstances, based on your situation, based on the stage of life that you're in to really begin to make the time that you're, you know, blessed with here on earth count. So that when you do make it to the final moments of your, your life, whenever that is, you know, you can ask that difficult, answer that difficult question. Did I pass or did I fail with, with certainty and with, with confidence,
0: right? Awesome. Yeah, I'd I, I'd love to um you talk a little bit about, in the book too about some examples of um of people who kind of went through a, a transformation right and, and starting to apply some of this. I'd, I'd love to, you know, hear some some stories of um how it's helped you know, some people really um create the life that they want. Yeah, really fun experience. So I've had the good fortune of coaching. Many people from
1: all walks of life. So, what's very interesting, you know, we as entrepreneurs, you know, one of the first things that we try to do is like define our ideal client, right? Or define our ideal customer. You know, what's the demographic? What's the geographic? What's the psychographic? And I've found with intentional living, it's not so much about an age range or a gender per se or even a location. It's really psychographic because someone can be in their teenage years. And they could have this inciting incident, this event in life that changes the trajectory of their future forever. They could have a wake-up call. Or you could be in your 70s. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you could be in your 70s um, and just kind of live in life for yourself and whatever else, keep into your own mind and your business. And all of a sudden, wham, something happens, something new comes into your life or something a terrible happens and you have a bit of an epiphany, right? Uh, so I think that it's more, than a, a, more of a psychographic. So I've had the good fortune of you know, training someone who... I coached someone who was 16 years old. She was female in high school. And she was struggling a little bit with some of her school work, some of the peer pressure, um, drinking, drug use, You know all the typical things. Well, I think they're typical. My kids aren't quite... You, know, you could speak to that more than I could. But from what I know and from my, what, what I understand some of the typical pressures... That a high schooler might face in today's day and age. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I was actually hired by her parents. So it was her folks who, you know, wanted me to connect with her. And she was very open minded. She was an incredible, very coachable person. And it was neat to see her transformation. So back then, I think my program was about six weeks. So we connected once a week. And it was really neat to see her organize all of her school life. And it was really neat to see her kind of kind of organize and prioritize her family life. And then it was really neat to see her organize and prioritize her social life. Like when you're a student, you know, school's kind of your number one job, I think, for a lot of students. But then you've got responsibilities with your relationships in your home, most likely. You might have some chores and some stuff there. But then you've got the social life and maybe you have some extracurriculars with sports and things of that nature. Um, so it was really neat to, for her to take a step back from her own life. You know, she's kind of in the weeds of the day to day with school, with pressures from her parents, with, you know, doing things that they are telling her not to do, with all these things that teenagers are dealing with, with social media, phones, texting, <laughs> bullying, all this stuff. And it was really neat to see her just kind of pause and take a you know a few minutes and figure out, okay, what are the areas of my life that matter most? And that's, you know, the first chapter of my book is, and by the way, to give you some context about my book, I was struggling for years to figure out, well, how do I write about this topic of intelligence? It is so hairy and scary and broad and all the rest of it. And I finally had an idea late last year that I could actually convey this message and teach this approach through the lens of school, because school is very relatable. So many of us have had experiences with the formal education system in school, whether we, just got our GED or dropped out of, you know, high school or went on past college and advanced in some, you know, MBA degree or whatever it is. We can all relate. We know what subject areas are, you know. So in school, for example, and I think this is really important for entrepreneurs. I know it's important for me. In school, we had these subject areas. We had math, language, science, you know, whatever they were, the basics. And we couldn't just go all out in one area and get a passing grade in one area and just disregard the rest. We wouldn't progress to the next level. So, as an entrepreneur, we can't just focus. I mean, we certainly can. I shouldn't say we can't, but we could choose to focus 99% of our time, efforts, and energy in our business. But at what expense? What's going on in our relationships area of our life? You know, maybe we have aging parents who won't be here forever, and maybe we should put some time in with them. Maybe we have a significant other, spouse, partner, whatever that might look like. Some of us have children. Some of us have our health to worry about. We have communities that we're engaged in. We have relationships. You know, There's so many other aspects of life. What we don't want to do is go all out in one, you know, and then all of a sudden wake up one day and realize that we have regrets or, or we've compromised our health. And now we're facing a catastrophe that can't be reversed, right? So it was neat to see this 16-year-old woman do this with her life. She really took a step back and discovered and defined the areas of her life that mattered. And going through that process, she actually found a few areas that she was spending time in, but she was kind of asleep at the wheel, going through the motions, and she never really had the awareness to say no to certain things. So through that experience, she discovered the areas that she was still paying attention to Didn't really matter to her anymore. Which was neat to see her kind of shed some of those layers and say no to certain things that she should have said no to for many years, but she was saying yes out of complacency or negligence or whatever it was. And to see her step back and say, Oh, cool, you know, I have really four primary areas here that I need to make sure can, you know, that I manage, that I'm proactive with, that I can continually maintain and improve upon over time. And that's like chapter one in the book. It's called subject areas that we can identify what. Matters most in our life. Now, the flip side of that is I've also coached a 72 year old male. That was a lot of fun too. That would be interesting. He was retired. Yeah, he was retired for a few years. Uh, He was getting a little bored. You know, I can't imagine retiring. (laughs) Like, that's just not my style, right? right? As an entrepreneur, like, I need a problem to solve at all times. Like, I need to constantly be working on something. So I like him you know, wanted something to do. I wanted, you know, he wanted to make a difference. He wanted to give back in his own unique way based on his entire life experience. And he had been going through the motions ever since 65 for about seven years. Mm. So it was really neat to see him embrace this methodology. And I have no idea what the formal education system looked like, you know, five decades ago, but it was really neat to see this approach be so relatable and so understandable and also so actionable for him as
0: well. Right. Yeah. I'd love to. Um, that's, that's awesome. I mean, what, what I'm hearing is, and as to my own experience as a, as a coach consultant as well, is, I mean, it, it starts with that awareness. You know, people feel in both those examples, they were stuck. They weren't really sure what to do, but a big part of it was they really didn't really understand what was going on. Didn't even really understand where, where to look in order to, to make, make those better choices. So with the work that you did there, helped help set them down that path. Now, I mean there's there's lots of different programs, there's lots of different, you know, books and things out there. I mean, you know, you've read a lot of them in the person development space. You know, in my experience, and you talk about this a little bit in your book too, right? It's it's not so much, you know, how good the tools are unless unless they stick, you know, unless unless they actually are gonna get get used and consistently and, and continue to, to create momentum. So I'd love for you to kind of noodle a little bit on on how you know through the school of intentional living you kind of address that issue right of you know avoiding people from getting overwhelmed with trying to learn some new fancy way of you know organizing their life um so that they can get started but but i think is as important so they can keep moving right move keep moving forward sure sure yeah i I think it's important when you look at you know adoption
1: or when you look at building a new habit or whatever else. I always try to look at what I would call the related relatability factor, you know, so is it relatable? So one of the things I wanted to make sure, because I don't think the world necessarily needs another, you know, book on personal development or another framework. Um, But what I wanted to do is make sure that it was highly relatable. So I think that's there. I think we can check that box that this, this approach as you learn it, it's very relatable and there's no need to reinvent the wheel. You're not necessarily learning anything new here. These are things that are common sense and not necessarily common practice. And they're being shared in a way that's highly relatable, which is fantastic. Um, The other thing is the like relevancy factor, right? So how relevant is it? Because we can all go out there and we can learn a new tool or a new habit or a new mindset, whatever it might be. But if it's not relevant, if I don't need it right now, chances of me putting that into action, putting it into play in my own life it, it's, it's slim to none. So I wanted to also make sure that, you know, there's that relevancy factor there. If, if you're out there and you're feeling like you want to lead a more intentional life, or you want to even be more intentional in your business or more intentional in your relationship or more intentional with your health, I think this is an approach that you're going to like because it is so highly relevant. So I usually like to look for relatability and relevancy um, and also, real simple.
0: Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> waiting for you to say that because that's really what stood out yeah. for me in 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 reading the book is, yeah, like you know, I could do that. You know, I can I can I can take the those few minutes, you know, a week in a coffee shop to you know plan my week or you know like like just taking the the, the difficult effort out of it, right? And just seeing it, it's it's not it doesn't have to be hard, and it can be even 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 sure. fun, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, I grew up. My my dad used to always tell me, you know, complexity is the enemy of success. I mean, he burned that into my brain as a kid. So I really don't have a tolerance for anything complicated, anything complex. I just it, it really turns me off. And I can, you know, I I can accidentally make things more complicated <laughs> than they need to be, right? Um, so I always have to catch myself. I have to have an awareness for that. But some of the tools relating back to the tools that are certainly available within the book as I really did my best to make those as radically simple as I possibly can. Just because again, I think simplicity is the key, you know, it's a less is more type of an approach. And I see that work in business and entrepreneurship with relationships with your health. If you can just simply keep, keep things simple, I think there's some real, you know, there's some real value in, in, in that concept.
0: Yeah. So for example, and kind of building what you're talking about earlier with, with the, the subjects. So kind of identifying different areas of your life that, you know, you want to pay attention to and then giving yourself a a grade, right? Like in school kind of okay. gives you that, that quick check, right. Um, in a way that you kind of understand and relate to it well. So once, once you've got that, then, you know, what are, what are some things that people can do to then start? you know once they realize crap you know my health is a c or you know my relationships are an f um what what are some simple things they can do to start to turn that ship around yeah well
1: i mean so so subject areas that's the first chapter you just mentioned the second chapter which is progress reports with, which is checking in getting that pulse and rather than grade it on a numeric score one 1 through 10 that's very subjective in my mind you know use a use the letters letter grade you know just in instance, school, if you're getting an A in your health, you're you're probably in pretty good shape, assuming you're being honest with yourself, right? And if you're getting a C or a D, you may need to make some necessary changes um, moving forward and try to course correct that. That's the whole point of progress reports is to help you course correct along the way, so that you don't make it to the end of the quarter, you don't make it to the end of the year, and you have a major major problem, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So the third chapter then is homework assignments. Oh, so homework what can you do? Well, you can know. assign
1: Yeah. So you can assign yourself some homework. We all loved homework, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> it just lost
0: everybody right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but here's the deal, right? Think about homework. It actually served a pretty effective purpose because it helped you. It helped you improve your skill sets in certain subject areas. And I think most importantly, it gave you an opportunity to improve your grade. So whether we like this idea of homework or not, you know, you can call it your to-do list. I call it your priorities. That, that that word carries more meaning for me. I don't want to look at my to-do list. I want to know what my priorities are today. Or this week, this month, this quarter, this year. Give me my priorities. Everything else I don't need to pay attention to. So I use language like priority because it just carries more meaning. So if let's say I'm, to, to, to your point, if I have a C in my health, you know, is it urgent enough? Is it relevant enough? Does it hurt badly enough for me to want to make a change? So to your point, everything starts with awareness. Well, what's neat is I might be able to just make up a you know, handful of things I could do as, as homework for my health. So for me personally, to give you an example, years ago, I, I've had a digestive issue for as long as I can remember. And my normal was just eating a meal and feeling god-awful for about 90 minutes, really struggling and being significantly fatigued. I mean, I used to drink coffee throughout my entire day. I mean, a pot in the morning, a pot in the afternoon, because I, I would just struggle so much after lunch. So I ended up getting a, um, what's called a food sensitivity kit. I think it was the company Everlywell many years ago when they were first you know, launching their whole company. And what I discovered was I had a sensitivity to gluten. Now, I'm not allergic to it. I, I, luckily, I don't have like celiac or anything like that. But I do have a high enough sensitivity to it that if I don't make some changes, I might have some long-term health consequences. But I'm certainly uncomfortable now. And I'm not interested in living that way day to day. So I had some homework to do. So I had this awareness that I wasn't feeling very well in the health category. I had very low energy, a lot of fatigue in the afternoons. I had some you know, uh, very frustrating digestive, di- digestive issues that we don't need to go into detail with on the call here, but I made some changes. So I had some homework. I learned about Everly Well. I said, oh, I better do that someday. You know, I better get this food sensitivity test. I know I'm not... I had an allergy test from my doctor. I know I'm not allergic to foods. I've never been hospitalized, luckily. But there might be something else going on. So put that on the to-do list give myself some homework in the health category or the health area of my life. And eventually I prioritized it. So I knew of it. I had an awareness of it. And eventually I said, you know what, this is the right quarter or this is week. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get this Everly wealth thing done. Now I have knowledge because once I had that test done, now I have knowledge into my situation. Now I have a little bit more education and knowledge as far as wow, For whatever reason, my makeup, my biological makeup is sensitive to this thing called gluten. I'm also sensitive to almonds and wheat and some other things, but gluten was really the Achilles heel for me. Interesting. Well, now I've got even more homework, <laughs> right? <laughs> knowledge isn't power, it's potential power. It's only power if you apply that knowledge. You put that knowledge into action and you start gaining some, some traction or some momentum. So now I had some big life changes to make and this didn't affect just me, it affected my wife too. Because all of a sudden we have to learn, you know, well, what is gluten-free and what does that look like? And just because it's gluten-free doesn't mean it's healthy. And, you know, how do we go about stocking the pantry now? How do we go about cooking? You know, where do I go get my meals when I'm eating out? Um, is there a solution that I can use if I can't access gluten-free foods? And, and yes, there is. Luckily, there's a natural pill you can take, which, which helps you with the digestion. But So I needed to have all these things on my radar screen if I wanted to improve that. Health area of my life, which I did, you know, it was it was hurting me badly enough to want to make a change, and I think that's that's what many of us have to do is we have to live more proactively in many ways, and we have to almost create that artificial necessity. We have to create that artificial threshold, almost create like a a glass bottom, and we can say, "Gosh, if I continue in this direction, and I keep building momentum in the wrong direction," because Jerry, as we both know, momentum. It's a powerful force regardless of its polarity, right? So momentum directions, it's really hard to stop momentum in either one. So we can create that, that glass bottom in our, in our life and say, gosh, I don't want to keep going. Because look, at if I keep going in that direction, that, that, that's a bottom I don't want to be at someday. It's not easy to do. Um, so anyways, I know the idea of homework is not great, but you can look at it as a to-do list or whatever. But we all know what that looks like like we're struggling in a course in school. What do we do? We identify our priorities and we ended up, you know, we study harder or we put in some more time or we go get a mentor or we go see the teacher. We get some help. We ask him or her the right questions to help us with what we're struggling with. We, we move into action mode, right?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and it, I, I would hope in this case that, you know, the, the subject, which is our, our personal life would be a whole lot more interesting than some of our... Uh... <laughs> algebra and whatnot in in high school they can't get can't get motivated to uh to improve our own personal grades and uh, right <laughs> no, right then we're really in trouble right <laughs> um awesome so so we kind of covered like you know getting getting awareness and then and then you know looking at priorities as, as a way to step forward um and what, what are what are some of the um the other aspects that really, again, kind of lock in that, that momentum, you know, getting the re- report cards and the, the status and whatnot. Um, what, what, what's going to, what's going to motivate people to kind of keep doing that improvement, you know, uh, two months in four months in you know, a year from now. Yeah. I, I think, I think so many of us are
1: always looking for the silver bullet. So, I, I want to answer this question with like this one thing that everybody has to do. But, you know, if you look back on your life and you look at some of the successes you've experienced, and if I do the same, I usually find that it's all the little things that add up. You know, oftentimes it's not just like one big thing that took place that just launched us and, you know, into orbit and launched us into success. So, uh, I can think of a handful of things. I know for me personally, We talked about momentum and you know, I like this idea of the compound effect and Darren Hardy wrote the book called the compound effect. And in that book, he references this lesson of, of the penny lesson. And he says, look, if you were asked whether, you know, you would take $3 million today or a penny doubled every day for 31 days, which one would you take? And he argues that most people would want the money. Give me the 3 million cash today. That's fantastic. What's interesting is a penny doubled every day for 31 days is over $10 million. So there's some, real, you know, there's some real power behind this idea of momentum and behind this idea of the compound effect. So one of the most effective things in my life that I've done, just like you know, your typical day at school, there's structure. and That's another thing everyone hates. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't want structure. It's too rigid and I feel like I'm trapped. I avoided structure for years, and I felt like I would suffocate. And I have good news: I did it one day. I didn't suffocate to death. It was the most productive, effective, focused day I've ever had in my life. And I even got to go home and have four hours of interrupted time with my wife and kids. I mean, it it changed my life. That sounds right. But it took me, yeah. But it took me years. You know, all my mentors were screaming at me, Sean. You need structure. All this white space is going to waste. You've got so many opportunities to do more and to impact more or to sell more or whatever it was I was doing back at the time. And I'm like, yeah, this is not my thing. I just don't like the idea of it. But I'll tell you, if you can put some structure in your days, and I don't do any structure on the weekends. I like spontaneity as well. And I like variety. So uh, the weekends for me are you know, left, left to the wind. And usually my wife provides enough structure for me on the weekends as it is. But during the weekday, you know, when I'm in my work week, so to speak, you know, eight to five, whatever it is, Monday through Friday, I have to put structure in there or else I'm all over the place. I'm just as distracted as the next person. So I really need to protect my time and I really need to weaponize my hours. And to the degree that I can come in and plan my day and literally give each and every minute while I'm working a job and to honor that structure. Those days add to weeks. Weeks add to months. You get a couple of weeks and months under your belt, a few quarters, those end up you know, equating to years. And I've, you've got some serious momentum behind you at this point. And after a little bit of time, it just becomes rote, right? It becomes automatic. It's a habit. You're good to go. And I always say that you should look at 80% compliance because a lot of the people that I've taught this approach to they refuse structure and they're like, well, that's so foolish to think that I can control you know, what happens throughout my day. And, and I agree with that. Appreciate that. I don't know what's going to happen in the next hour. Who knows? But I can certainly put my atten- intention there and I can say, what is my intention today? And what is my intention this morning? And what is my intention in the next hour? And what is my intention in the next five minutes? So that certainly helps. And I usually say 80% compliance. If I could just be 80% compliant to the plan that I laid out for myself for my day, I'm usually in good shape by the end of the day, by the end of the week. And you have to get good at triaging too, because things do come in. You know, Unforeseen, unplanned distractions happen. So we've got to be compassionate. We've got to be compassionate with ourselves, compassionate with, our, you know, with other people. And we have to have that peace of mind knowing that it's okay if we get off track. We're human beings. It's very normal. And, but we have this practice called triage. So we can get back to our calendar this afternoon and we can reset our priorities for the balance of the day and make the most use of our time there. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I found structure to be just magic in my life. And ironically enough, I now have more freedom in that structure. So if I want to check Facebook for, you know, an hour, I'll do it very intentionally. I will literally block time on my calendar and just say, I'm going to screw off on Facebook for 30 minutes. And now I don't feel guilty about it. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be doing what I wanted to do. And now I'm screwing off.
0: So I even schedule my distractions. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, there's so many things to unpack from that, but a couple of things that are jumping out to me. Well, one is, you know, if, if, if you're going to start looking at your life holistically, right. Like all the different areas of your life that really matter. Then the only way that they're going to get attention is is if you give them dedicated time in your schedule because it's so it's so easy yeah. so easy for one area to to kind of take over and the other ones to um you know to to suffer and especially I'd say right now with with COVID but so many of us you know our our life is twenty four seven in in one building you know it's it's your yeah. it's your workout space it's your office it's your family home it's your it's your it's your you know your recreation like. Like life just becomes a blur, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think having that structure is even that much more important just to help you shift into those different areas that are important to you. Absolutely. I think
1: routine and structure is more important today than it ever was based on this whole quarantine situation that we all experience. And Absolutely. That,
0: the other thing that, that really struck me, what you're saying, and, and I was thinking about it too, when I look at my own, my own self or other people I've, I've worked with, even my kids, and there there's um i think one reason why we avoid making decisions around structure is then we can blame something else a lot of times if if we don't Mm. we don't if we don't get to something and we don't achieve something well it's because this came along or this showed up or i'm just so busy like we can point to something else outside of ourselves whereas if we start to Mm. if we start to commit the time to different things then then we've we've made a statement right we've We made a decision to invest in something and therefore there should be some result out of that. So there's, there's less cover in a, in a sense. It's a great point.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. I think, you know, we we take on more personal responsibility for how we invest our time day to day by, by adding structure. So yeah, that's a, it's a great point. What I'm always amazed at Jerry is like, I, so I, I do a little gratitude journaling in the morning and in the evening and I think it was Tony Robbins who said, "If your wife is, if your life is worth living, it's worth recording." So I have like a stack of journals dating years back, and I can tell you what I was doing. I mean, because I put down, you know, here's what I'm grateful for today. And a lot of it, as an entrepreneur, a lot of it's like, I achieved this, I achieved that, I did that. (laughs) It's like I didn't flip out on this person when they came in and you know completely blew my schedule for 90 minutes today. Um, (laughs) So I have archived. Uh, a lot of my life, which is neat. And my my hope is, you know, because I'm always thinking it would be so neat to go back and to understand what my parents, you know, what they were thinking and what they were up to. And they were my age and they were raising their kids. And so I kind of wanted to just leave a little bit of a breadcrumb for my kids. Now, when I'm gone, they'll probably just, you know, throw it away or whatever. I'm sure it would be worthless. But um, what I'm amazed at is how much happens in a day. And every once in a while, I won't. Do the journaling exercise in the evening. Maybe I'm too tired. You know, I, I blew my bedtime, and you know, I was up late eating potato chips, watching Shark Tank, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whatever. I do that too, still sometimes. But what's amazing to me is how much I can't remember the next day. Because I'll try to make up for it. I'll try to journal in the morning about the previous day, and I'll be like, "Gosh, you know, I so much transpired. I just can't. I can't remember. I can't recall it." So what's neat about having structure is I could pull up my calendar with you right now and we could go to, you know, basically any date in the last five or six years, Monday through Friday. And I can tell you at three thirteen PM on Friday, August first, two thousand and you know, fifteen, this is exactly what I was focused on. So it's really neat to have that sort of history, that that that, that historical data to look back on. I really so I think when we're structuring our days, we actually can do a lot more and we can be a lot more present for certain things than if we just had a bunch of white space. And if I have one call today and it's with you, and I've got all this, all this other white space, what happens? I come in and I check my email. Now I'm onto other people's agendas and not my own. Because that's all email is. It's right. just, you know, if I want to know what other people want me to do and what their agendas are, I can check my inbox. That's easy or I'm off on social media reacting to the notifications and the shares and all that stuff. I mean, it's a very, you know, this information age is a very interesting time to live because if we're not careful and if we're not protective, I believe our attention, not intention, our ability to pay attention, our focus is the number one asset we have. And I think back like in the 1840s, the gold rush, you know, I think today's day and age is going to be known as the attention rush. Everyone in every business is after our number one asset. And I think it's on us. And it's very important that we protect it for the asset that it truly is. So one of the most valuable things we have
0: as human beings. Yeah. Well, I know you've got a real heart for um, helping so many others to find that intentional space and, and to leave their, their mark on, on the world, Sean. So um, really enjoyed our, our conversation today and and i'd love to um just ask you know where where can people you know get in touch with you where can they find out more about you i know we'll have links in the show notes to where you know people can get the book and whatnot so
1: thank you thank you yeah well we set up a little fun page for your listeners which is exciting uh with some bonuses there so uh yeah so Seanrosensteel.com and then if you go to forward slash jerry um, you can grab my book there, learn a little bit more about it. There's a little welcome video if you want to hear me talk briefly about it. And then with the book, if you want to email me your receipt, there's an email address on that page. Um, I'm throwing in a free audiobook version for your guests and also a one-page implementation plan. So if the lessons in the book resonate and one of your listeners wants to apply it, I'm giving away the same one-page implementation plan that I use with my private coaching clients, so it just helps people do the right things in the right order, and it also helps them stay accountable.
0: Awesome. Yeah, definitely worth getting those, those bonuses. So thanks for, thanks for offering that, and uh, of course, for sharing um, with us today. Awesome. Jerry, this is so fun. So good to connect with you again,
1: and thank you so much for having me on your show. This has been great. All right. Thanks, Sean. You
0: bet. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so, be sure to click on the subscribe button in your app so you never miss a future episode. And when you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen, you help more people discover and then transform their lives through the powerful life-changing stories on this podcast. I invite you also to share something that you heard in this episode that you would love to turn into a conversation. Share it with people and have that conversation. Because when ideas become conversations that build connections, that's when momentum happens. I'll see you in the next episode.